Uh, the two other types of runs were uh, tempo and interval. Not my favorite. Why is that? Because it's fast, and fast means hard, and hard means pain. So, um, but, um, so I, I, brought, I thought about that with Psalm 105 here, because if, if we were going to put it in running-related terms, it'd be, this is a fast workout day. But uh, there's no pain involved, I hope, so there shouldn't be. No, no one has to, but uh, lace up your shoes, and uh, we'll get started here. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we go through Psalm 105 this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work as we read the words and hear the words being read, Lord, uh, that your word would do its work amongst your people this morning, God. And may, as the psalmist says, uh, says here in the beginning line, give thanks to you and all that you do for us, Lord, in our behalf. Amen. All right, so here we begin Psalm 105. I have a quote here from John Piper here. I wanted to share that I thought it was very excellent here in the beginning uh, for the psalm that we're going to look at. The world and even thousands of Christians give no praise and thanks to God for millions of daily life-sustaining providences because they do not see the world as a theater of God's wonders. They see it as a vast machine running on mindless natural laws except where our heart's rebelliousness and self-exaltation find a suitable opportunity to find fault with God and justify our blindness to a billion acts of kindness towards defiant creation. I like how um, Piper there used that, that line there, our blindness to a billion acts of kindness that God does for us and that we just don't see. And I came upon that quote earlier this week, and as I started preparing for the sermon, that quote just, just stayed resonant in my mind. And it reminded me to pause and remember how God is working in each and every minute of my life. He's, in a, he's working in those interruptions I get at work or the unexpected call at home because life moves fast, or so it seems in our current time, and it's easy to take for granted uh, the daily small blessings uh, that God gives us. But when something goes wrong or doesn't go according to our plan, it's easy to see that real easily, and it's easy to complain about that real easily as well. Those daily blessings that God gives us every day, we miss seeing them and we fail to give thanks to our Creator for them. So before we read this psalm, I'm going to give you the first application point right off the bat. So it's for you, Christian, here this morning. Christian, as in general term, Christian. It's to pause and remember and to give thanks to our Lord for Him working in your life, for the daily small blessings that He gives. They are there. We just have to remember them, see them, and give thanks. Now, as we focus there, focus with me as we read the psalm. Going to give you an intro here. Look how the psalmist reminds us of how great God is. So let's read here. We're going to read here verses 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing songs to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Psalmist here reminds us of how great God is. He is faithful through and through. How does the psalmist do that, show God's greatness here? He reminds Israel of what what God has done for them in the books of Genesis and Exodus, the account. We're going to see that here. If you're not familiar with the book of Genesis or Exodus, Psalm 105 provides a quick summary of Israel's beginning and their exodus from Egypt. So that's why I brought the running correlation as well. So we're going to go quick. This Psalm 105 takes you a quick run through through Genesis and Exodus. 
And here in those first five verses, the psalmist, he's emphatic in how Israel should give thanks and praise to God, to give thanks, to call upon his name, to make known his deeds, to sing to him, sing songs to him, talk all of his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, and then repeats it. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek his face, remember his marvelous works, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. When we talk about remembering here, um, it's from the Bible Speaks Today commentary I was using uh, for this psalm. In Bible language, remembering like hearing it's not just something that happens in our head. Really to remember, really to hear something, it implies that we do something with it, about what has come to memory or our ear. Remembering basically implies action. If I tell my wife that I remembered our anniversary, but I didn't tell her happy anniversary, honey, or I didn't get a card, I didn't get a gift, anything to commemorate that day, what would that imply about what I remembered? Not much, right? So please note here in verse 5, Uh, The psalmist says, remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Israel is being prompted, just, you know, give thanks to the Lord. And this is how we are to do it. And the psalmist is going to give details on his marvelous works, on God's wonders and his judgments. Uh, Picking up here in verse 6, O seed of Abraham his servant, your children of Jacob his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. And confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. So right here in this section of scripture here that we just read. We are, no, we are given the description there in the seed of Abraham. They're the children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Israel is reminded of the covenant uh, that God has made with Abraham. And the word covenant just means a formal or binding agreement. It's a promise. Think of it as a promise, and it's a promise that God has made here. And this covenant that God made with Abraham is first, is, I shouldn't say it's first, it's first introduced in Genesis 12. It's, it's uh, talked about, it's, the covenant is actually made in Genesis 15. They are promised an allotment of land, the land of Canaan. And here, reading here from Genesis 15, 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The covenant, this covenant here is kept through Isaac and then Jacob. And God has not forgotten his promise, the covenant he made. I want to note here, verse 8. He remembers this covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. So a generation uh, is approximately 30 years. Just think of it, generation is 30 years. So we're talking 1,000 times 30 is 30,000 years, right? So think about it, we're 2,021. So we're in this time frame of this covenant, this promise God has made here. And 30,000 years is a long time. We're in that time frame now, and it goes beyond us, right? So we'll come back to that, but just wanted to point that out, that covenant that God has made, the word which he has commanded for a 1,000 generations here. Continuing on here in verse 12. When there were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch, do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. 
We see God's design, how, how he's going to, we see the plan in the beginning of God's design, how he's going to fulfill this promise. What is this promise again? To give them the allotment of land, the land of Canaan. So in verse 12, we're given a description of, of Israel here. They're few in number, verse 12. They move from one nation to another. So you think about it, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they, they were like nomads, right? They kept moving. God kept them moving. And God protected them throughout. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob mentioned there in verses 14 to 15, uh, the patriarchs of Israel, right? And um, remember I talked about that run, fast workout today. Well, in these verses that we just read, verses 12 to 15, we're basically given a bird's eye view of 30 chapters of Genesis. Think about that. 30 chapters of Genesis summarized in the three verses that we just read. But the detail is in there in Genesis, and I encourage you just to go through that. Um, God protected them, uh, as noted there in those verses that we read, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So then transitioning here with uh, verse 16 here, uh, more of God working here. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. So here we get the details of God working on behalf of Israel. Verses 16 to 23. There is a famine in the land that God called for, right? God called for this famine to happen. And before this famine happened, he sends a man to, on, for Israel to Egypt. Who was that man? It's Joseph. Joseph here, we give him a description, he's sold as a slave to Egypt by his brothers, nonetheless. Ends up in prison, but then becomes second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. He is given the authority to act and govern in, during this famine that God brings. And verses 20 to 22, it gives us a quick run-through of the last nine chapters of Genesis. Once again, fast work through the book of Genesis. Genesis, And now, as the psalm continues, it's going to take us into Exodus. And verse 23 begins that uh, transition into Exodus here for us. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. So that's the end of Genesis, as you recall, if you're familiar with that. Joseph calls for his family, Jacob and all his family come into Egypt, and uh, they settle there. And then now we have uh, the book of Exodus here accounted in a short summary here, verses 24 to 36. He increased increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flame and fire in the land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees, and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land, and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. 
Wow, that's a quick run through through a good chunk of Exodus there in those verses that we just read. Uh, verses 24 to 27 uh, basically starts out, gives us a short summary of the beginning of Exodus, a short summary of Israel and their population growth and how this worried Pharaoh of Egypt at this time. Um, I'm reading here from Exodus chapter 1, uh, verses 7 uh, through 14. It says, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply, they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Good intro there into the book of Exodus here, and that's uh, shortly summarized here in these verses 24 to 27. In verse 26, uh, we're given God sends two people on his behalf to demonstrate his power. Those people are Moses and Aaron. And as I said, they're going to demonstrate God's power to Egypt here. And how do they do that? Well, you, we're going to see that. We see that here in the verses we just read, verses 28 to 36. Uh, we, that should sound very familiar to you. Uh, is there a description of the ten plagues? Not all the plagues are noted there. I want to note that. But we have the plague of darkness, the plague of blood, the plague of frogs, the plague of flies, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts, and the plague of the firstborn. Can you imagine here if um, maybe uh, if you were new to the Bible and you just started with the Psalms and you didn't know Genesis or Exodus, all this would be like, um, there would be some gaps. There would be some gaps there. So that's going to lead to my second application point here, but just wanted to bring that to note here because we read here, you know, I wonder what the new hearer or reader would think here. But if you ever wondered why God would use these specific plagues, it was neat setting this out. Uh, just something that, you know, I've heard it before, but just came, it was just more emphasized to me studying this out. It was because these plagues show the Egyptians' gods, with little g, their, their lack of power, their impotence, right? So, uh, for example, uh, verse 30 talks about their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. That was one of the plagues, right? Frogs everywhere, uh, for the Egyptians in the, in, the, um, in all their living surroundings frogs were everywhere so much so that Pharaoh finally relents goes to Moses and Aaron and asks hey please get rid of these frogs frogs end up a dying heap of frog, dead frogs had to be taken out right well you know what the frog was a symbol of it was the goddess of fertility for Egypt and imagine the message being sent to the Egyptians here that the God of the Israelites is showing all these frogs that are dead and being just tossed out. No power for the Egyptians' gods and the true power lying with the God of Israel. And that is why God used these plagues. It's interesting study, if you ever get, take some time to study that out, how just um, some of these other uh, plagues that are shown show the lack of power for the gods that uh, Egypt worshipped there. So 
I just wanted to note that here. I thought that was interesting here as I was preparing for the sermon. And then that leaves us here with the final verses of the psalm here in Psalm 37 to 45. And they're they're a short summary of uh, how Exodus ends up, the Exodus of Israel from Egypt. And that's in um, starting in verse 37 here. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran into dry places like a river, for he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham, his servant, he brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. So that brings us to the end of Psalm 105 here. So then this last section of scripture that we looked at, uh, Israel was given silver and gold from the Egyptians as they left. Egypt was glad too when they left for the fear of them had fallen upon them. Remember we have these plagues and how God is, uh, those plagues did not affect Israel. Uh, God continues to provide for them a cloud for covering during the day and fire to give light at night. This is all noted in the book of Exodus. And like I said, Psalm 105, quick run through Genesis and Exodus. But God, when Israel left Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land, God gives them a cloud for covering during the day and a fire at night to give light. And note here, I want to note here, verses 40 to 41, very interesting. The people asked and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran into dry places like a river. No negative details there in those verses. But if you read Exodus, you know Israel. They sinned in those verses, uh, 40 and 41. Uh, they sinned in those verses. And I just brought to light another thing. You know, when we read the Old Testament, we always think like, why doesn't Israel get it? You know, and when we read it, we're like, we tend to think of ourselves, we're like, uh, how am I like Abraham or how am I like Moses? When really, we're more like Israel. Right? How does Israel not get it? Um, but no negative details given there. But if you look at the book of Exodus, um, John and Haney and I were talking during the, uh, the break here between the services how, you know, they were over, the quail became too much for them. Uh, and then the bread of heaven, the manna, they did not follow God's instructions on how they were, they were collect that and eat it. Some of them saved it because they thought they weren't going to have any for the next day and ended up rotting. You know, just signs of them not obeying God and trusting God uh, when he made these promises. Yet, we know here, if we look at this psalm, that God keeps his word. If you read the book, you know, if you read those books that I talked about, Genesis and Exodus, God keeps his word. And the chapter ends here with the remembrance of his holy promise. Israel receives the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. They get the land. And then the psalmist notes here how Israel should respond by observing his statutes and keeping his laws. So right at the beginning of the sermon, you know, I gave you the first application point, and that was to remember and to give thanks to our Lord continually. When we pause and give thanks to him, we remember what he has done and is doing in our lives. So as I stated, Psalm 105, we note here how God is faithful through and through. He has worked through all these things here. He is the one that has done all this work. And 
in doing that work, um, we see here that, you know, as Israel is freed from the bondage of slavery, what has he done for us today as Christians? He has freed us from the bondage of sin. He has freed us from the power of sin over our lives. So remember that. Remember implies action. So that's why, as a psalmist encourages Israel to give thanks to the Lord, you know, I implore you today to give thanks to the Lord daily for the if it's, you know, a lot of us go through things that we would maybe seem or call mundane, but what daily blessings has God given you and that we're just missing? But even if you don't see that, the greatest blessing of all, the freedom from the bondage of sin, the freedom from the power of sin over us, Jesus has given us that. So in this psalm, we see who God is. He is all-powerful. He is gracious. He is a protector. He is a provider. And we look at these detailed accounts here noted in Psalm 105 of Genesis and Exodus, and we see that it is God that is doing all these things, right? God is doing all these things. I also want to note here that we also see that God will sometimes use what we call unpleasant means when necessary to accomplish His will. We have the famine. Psalm 105 says He called for the famine. Psalm 105 also says He sent a man to Egypt ahead of the famine. That was Joseph. He had Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers and then imprisoned to get to the position where he eventually could save his family and what would become the nation of Israel, right? Joseph was in the right place at the right time. So God will use sometimes, like I said, unpleasant means to do his work that he, to fulfill his, his word. So my second application point then is just to encourage you to what? To read God's word. Not only to read God's word though, but to become literate of his word. Not to just have knowledge for the sake of it or to have for the pride of it or to puff ourselves up, but remember what I said earlier here, if we look at these 35 verses, and imagine if you never read Genesis or Exodus, what impact would it have upon the reader or hearer? But the psalmist knows that Israel knows their history just like, you know, reread Genesis and Exodus, just because as a Christian we want to know about who God is and what would become our history, right, as his people. Because remember what I said there in verse 8? His word is kept for a thousand, you know, 30,000 years, thousands of generations, and we're in that time frame today. So as there is great blessing as we become knowledgeable of God's word, uh, the scriptures. Uh, we get to know who God is. Um, we get to, um, my wife and I teach middle school class, I shared this a couple weeks ago with our class, uh, just, you know, the importance of reading God's word. In both the Old and New Testaments of Scripture, God works with the words, lives, and qualities of human authors to give you his perfect words, not just to have them, but so that you may believe and obey them and find life in them. Kind of like what the psalmist just says here to Israel. Their, their, their response to God, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws and praise the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, uh, just going through the psalm here, we know it's a quick run through just of your works here uh, to the people of Israel. But Lord, I pray as we see you, the detailed account here of your works uh, in their lives at that time, Lord, that even today we would see your work in our lives. Uh, the situations, uh, the trials, the tests, the temptations that have been in our lives, Lord, and have you, how you have worked in them, Lord, even though they have been unpleasant at times, Lord. Help us to remember that along with the blessings, Lord. Help us not to be blind uh, to the kindness that you provide us, Lord, day in and day out. 
And Lord, um, I just pray, Lord, as we read your word um, in our lives uh, day in and day out, Lord, that uh, we would be blessed by it, that your word would do a great work uh, through your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. A couple of announcements here. Uh, first one is for VBS, Vacation Bible School, and that's going to start up here uh, just in a couple weeks, uh, June 27th, and that'll be starting at 6 p.m. June 27th is a Sunday, and that's I believe it goes through the Wednesday, so it'll be through the 30th, June 27th through 30th from 6 to 8 p.m. So a couple of reminders here. Um, remember, if you can, register your children or grandchildren. Uh, if you'd like to serve in this ministry, you can sign up to, to serve in this outreach ministry. Uh, we could use people in nursery, prayer warriors, game leaders, group leaders. Even if you can only make it one night for any of those positions, hey, we would appreciate that. You can make a difference in the lives of these children. Uh, we also still need some items. I encourage you to check the display table. Uh, it's just right out here to the right as you exit the sanctuary. And unless it is a perishable food item, remember to bring in your items by next Sunday, please. And uh, VBS workdays uh, will be this. Uh, excuse me, will be the Friday and Saturday before uh, that Sunday. That's June 25th and 26th. That'll be from 9 uh, a.m. to 4 p.m. All are invited to help set up and decorate for Vacation Bible School. Uh, if you're interested, you can also see Tony. Uh, she's in the fellowship hall for any take-home projects you might be interested in helping out with as well. And, it, and mostly, and most importantly, if you can't serve. Um, I encourage you, please, uh, we ask for your prayers here for this ministry. It's a great ministry, not only to uh, the kids here in the body of the, of the church body here, but also to the kids in the greater communities uh, in this area. So I encourage you just to keep that in prayer. It's June 27th through the 30th. And um, also, too, uh, Scott had told me here, the website, we're having issues with that. We've been having issues with that. So I encourage you, uh, for information, you can check out the Facebook feed. And also, uh, we're still live streaming as well to uh, Facebook and YouTube as well, and we'll get the website issues squared away with hopefully soon. But um, uh, with that, also remember to keep our pastor in prayer, and I just want to say thank you for joining us this morning, and uh, may God give you a blessed week. Thank you. Oh, Rose, do you have something? Yes. Thank you. So uh, for those that couldn't hear there, uh, Rose says uh, we're having a card shower for Marvin Cave Shively. Uh, June 19th, they're celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. So I know Marv's going to remember, and that's going to imply action there. So um, uh, hopefully, I think, I don't know if Marv was here at the first service or not, but um, I know Marv's going to remember. Um, but um, if you need their address, I know you can get it from Rose, but uh, June 19th, they're celebrating their 50th. And I'd like to bless them with a card shower. Thank you, Rose, for sharing that. So thanks again. God bless.